all these acquisitions and sale and business model change have made sure that I move that customer to someone else because I have to face the customer. And that's very important, you know. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another SaaS Connect Online. Uh, today, we have uh, Punit Thakar from Shivami. He has built, over the last 16 years, a $30 million a year business as a born-in-the-cloud reseller of Google, Microsoft, Zoho, you name it. And, you know, we've been interviewing a lot of our partners, on the other, our channel partners, on the other side of the table. And for most of us on the SaaS side, we struggle to understand what they need what makes them successful, how we could be better for them. And you know, if they're successful, they are closer to their customer, will be more successful. So thank you for joining us, Punit, today. I really appreciate it. And just for anyone who has questions, far away in the Q&A, we'll bring it to you. And of course, for the executive members, we'll have the speaker's lounge after this talk. And you can join at cloudsoftwareassociation.com. So Punit, why don't you introduce yourself? And by the way, it's 11.30 PM, your time. So thank you for doing this so late. <laughs> Tell us your story. Who are you and what is Shivani? Yeah, sure. So I am a founder and the managing director of Shivami Cloud Services. We are cloud service brokers. We are Google Cloud's largest reseller in India. We are managing 10,000 plus customers. We sell, support, service, end-to-end -end servicing for customers who need G Suite, GCP, Chrome, and Google Education Services. That's the core business of mine, which is almost around 85 to 90% of the business. Apart from that, we also support our customers on Office 365, Zoho. With the help of GoDaddy, we help them with the domain and DNS-related stuff. So, you know, if any company who's thinking of getting onto digital journey, they need help. We are the one who help them end to end. Sometimes, uh, you know, we don't support certain products and services. So we are very open that we connect them with the related parties and then we get out of it. So that's what we do. We are uh, last year's uh, diversity and inclusion partner award winner from Google. In my office, we have 80-20 ratio. 80 was in female working for us. 20% male members working for us. And uh, we make sure that uh, we serve our customers end-to-end. -end. We are a team of roughly around 250 to 300 people. That's ridiculous uh, how much growth you've experienced uh, and how much you do. You know, I'm kind of actually kind of interested about the future uh, of what's going to happen next. But Let's t dig, dig back in the past. I mean, you've been doing this for 16 years. Uh, I think yeah. you've always been internet oriented, but you know just as well as I do, the, there was a born in the cloud like reseller. That's, that's how what you would describe yourselves, right? Like you started Absolutely. Off Those who start off in the license channel who've not made it successfully, and you're probably like one of the top 20 Google resellers internationally. You know, you've been in this industry long enough. What would you say is the difference that's caused those companies like yourselves to be massively successful by being born in the cloud? And why have not traditional you know, service providers been able to make it? 
into this channel. One thing which I learned very early when I got into the cloud business was power of compounding customers. Okay. Yeah. I used to always think that, you know, if I have multiple customers over the period, you know, the renewal rates or the predictable income is much better than pushing a box, which is fat margin at the beginning and then realizing that, you know, the, the customer is not there for next five years. So I kind of invested my time on, on recurring revenue. And that was something which made me realize that, you know, the cloud is the next thing where I can rely on customers. I can make sure that I can go and push another product also. But when, when you look at the traditional partners, channel partners, especially I am part of, uh, you know, many associations in India, like the Software Dealers Association of India. I have across 2,500 members in that. Most of them are, are struggling with their businesses, with the hardware, or even still looking at the vendors to help them with, you know, sales and marketing process. I was very clear from the beginning that, you know, if I get into the SaaS game, I have recurring revenue coming in. And luckily, you know, I was one of the early partners of Google in 2008 and a lot of support from Google at the beginning. I remember when we were selling in India market in dollars, you know, it was very difficult, but still, you know, and there was no team. So there, there used to be people from Australia come all the way to India and sell in dollars. And a lot of support from Google came to us and we, we realized that this is something which works well. And that's what I, I believe that is, is part of my success. Well, actually talk about that. Cause I, uh, I mean, right now I'm experiencing this, like part of what I'm doing with AppBind is helping SaaS companies go into reseller markets, but India is a special market, right? Cause like money, you can't buy things in US dollars easily in, in India because of the foreign exchange and the local tax compliance. I know it's a bit nerdy to get into the weeds right away, but like, what does the Indian market look like? Why does it have to be a reseller market? Yeah. So, you know, most of the developed markets are DIY markets, right? Wherein customer is interested to go online, purchase online and use it himself. But India is a different market. It is DIFM. Do it for me. We have too many people here yeah. and, and everyone is here to offer you service. Right. So if you go and, and sell someone probably for $5, there would be someone else who would say, I will do it for $1. Yeah. And people are happy to get it done. Right. Because you got someone to support you, uh, someone to do it for you, someone to support you. So that's, that's the India market. I would also diversify a little bit here and say that India is not a plain market, a plain area where you know you can sell product in the same pattern across India. So if you are selling into North India, you will find customers who would deal with you differently. If you're selling into South India, the customer's pattern is different. If you're in West India, it's totally different. Yeah, so let's say uh, I'll give you an understanding. If you are dealing in, uh, with someone in uh, in area of Bombay, like where I my base is, Right here, what people say is truth. But if you deal with someone in North India, say Delhi, 
if someone has said something, you have to have it in writing, otherwise you are in trouble. So India that way is very different market, you know. South is very easy market, very similar to North American market. So it's it's a different approach altogether we have to have. Okay. As far as currency, as far as support from the vendor. So yes, there are challenges with all the vendors because registering an Indian entity for any American company is a pain. Right. So sometimes they uh, do billing directly from America. Sometimes they bill it from Singapore, and and it's it's always a challenge. Again, for resellers like us, you know, currency fluctuation. So suppose I'm buying in dollars, and and then if there is a currency fluctuation, I'm in a mess. Luckily, I'm with Google, and Google that way is very generous company. you know they support us so this is not available to everyone because not everyone gives they such a volume of business wherein you know they can justify the cost but it is available to few resellers like us who are the top resellers wherein google makes sure that currency fluctuation is taken care to some extent we take some burden they take some burden similarly you know the other problem what we face is the withholding tax of india so suppose a customer buys directly from america using credit card he is liable to pay withholding tax to the government right so suppose i make a payment to an american entity i have to deduct the withholding tax and then make a payment to the american entity unfortunately not everyone knows about it not everyone is able to manage that so big players like google is able to manage that unfortunately not everyone is able to do it as far as microsoft is concerned they are very smart and very established they would bill us from singapore but they'll bill us in indian rupees so that that withholding tax problem is gone yeah interesting interesting so all the different vendors have different way of working and and it's very difficult sometimes to manage it but luckily it works for us and we've been doing it for almost 11 years now so we have systems and processes set we know what to expect what not to expect so it works for us so this is why you're a reseller jasmine jenkins is asked you know are you a value added reseller so there's the mechanics of, of selling the transaction part there's reasons for that why that has to be the case but beyond that you know are you providing value added services i mean are you a 30 million dollar business a year because you're just selling software or are you doing something else no so we we do provide the managed services we do provide support we do provide the migration services so if you look at my revenue model it is very simple 70 30 is the licensing cost and 30% is a service revenue yeah again as i said you know india is country of too many people so if you are selling at uh, 10 rupees there is someone else who is interested to sell it 5 rupees so you have to fight it out make sure that you are winning that customer or service and that's that's the typical challenge what we face but luckily it works for us we have a uh, you know very established brand in india today wherein people trust us also google recommends us everywhere so we get the mileage of you know charging service revenue to the customers as well you just blew my mind with that number because microsoft for instance is very proud of the fact for every $1 microsoft software whatever they're selling their partners are making $9 so it is a 90 to 10 service to software 
model. Salesforce is, is trying to catch up. They're doing a lot of work there. And they're at $4.50 some cents as of 2019 for uh, service revenue for every $1 of Salesforce. I, my own experience, having when I started the marketing team at FreshBooks and watching all these service companies flail around in the cloud, I saw the service dollars per dollar software like get very close to one-to-one, which is not a good market. And you're actually the other way around. Uh, so Absolutely. Like, so it's like, is that just the nature of the Indian market or, or is that because like this, because labor costs are low and therefore you can eke out a margin there? We, we got plenty it? of engineers coming out every year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's typical Indian market. See, basically what happens if you, if you look at Indian market, you know, the larger chunk is SME is always a struggler. Yeah. They are fighting for, you know, small, small things like, you know, meeting their numbers, etc. Now, if you look at them, you know, they will not let you on. So everywhere else in the world, probably in the, all the developed markets, you know, per dollar of sales for the vendor brings $2 of service revenue or $3 or $5. India, it's always the reverse. That's crazy. So in order to become a successful in India, you need to have a scale. If you're not having scale, you are not able to meet that number. Yeah, so this is what I want to get into. So the economics are interesting. There's there's particulars for India, but I also, I think you're so forced because of the economics to be very precise about what you're doing that this is why I really wanted you to speak, right? Because you have probably the best laboratory to understand the board in the cloud channel, I think of any person I've ever met. And for everyone here trying to figure it out in the North American market, there's too much money. And so you can screw around for a bit, but you have to figure it out. So let's just start from your customer. Why do they buy from you? I mean, you kind of answer this, but like, what is the problem in their mind? It's not Google because that's irrelevant, you know, Google or Microsoft. It's uh, something bigger, like something more to them. What would you describe as their fear, anxiety, pain? that you're dealing with? Most of the time, customers would come to us for the simple reason that they do not want to directly deal with Google for billing, etc. Because as I said, you know, you are liable to pay some TDS, some withholding tax to the vendors. No one wants to do the billing on their own. So they would want to have the billing through us, right? Once they come for billing, so that's the primary thought process which comes in their mind. The second thought process, as I said, it's a do-it-for-me market. They do not want to get into the nitty-gritties of technicalities of migration, etc. So they would want us to do that for them. Third, they would always want the support from us. So here, again, you know, my customers swear by uh, my company is they get their call attended within one minute or probably maximum three minutes. So suppose you are dealing with vendors directly, they would will have to wait for in the queue to attend someone and then some unknown agent will attend you. You will have to explain your problem. But here with our company, it's very simple. We map the customers with agents and make sure that customers 
knows the agent and agent knows the customer well so all the problems are attended very fast and smoothly that's the reason they deal with us and then to scale that because it's very labor intensive i know you can throw bodies at it but you're you're only 250 people you're you're using those your team efficiently so what did you need to do to make this happen and by the way when you say they phone you they phone you right? this google you can't phone. You don't have a phone number for google right so like that's the advantage of the reseller market but so how did you make this work for you so it's efficient because i don't i gotta make this point in a second way just so the audience who are SaaS companies understand a lot of what SaaS companies believe is that they have great success teams and support teams and some of them actually do have really good customer support but that's not scalable if you want to reach the entire world market because your team is only so big. So working with other service companies, you have to replicate the service. But the interesting thing about you is you're supporting more than one product. You're supporting many products, you know, for Absolutely. the customer. And so you, for the customer, it's one phone call rather than six. So, but that must drive you insane internally to make it, bring it to order. So what are you doing to organize yourselves to provide this whole solution to the client, your customer base efficiently? Sure. I will tell you, all this is thing, all these services, what we are providing, all the support, what we are providing, we have evolved over the period of time. I will give you one simple example. On my website, there is an option for customer to log in and add extra license if they want to. But we still, in a day, get around 500 odd requests on an email to add the license on behalf of the customer. So there is an option for them to do it themselves. And then there is an option for them to get it done from my team member. What is the ratio? 10% on the do it myself. Yeah. And do it for me is 90%. So that's the typical nature of the market. Now, how do I address with the support and services? So I have dedicated teams to take care of support, right? We use Zoho Desk for ticketing and make sure that we use it very effectively. Our EPBX, which is cloud EPBX, is connected with, yeah, telephony, cloud telephony. It's connected with Zoho Desk, right? The agents know who is calling and if I am not available, who else to be, who else to be. So all the workflows are defined well, right? We are always improving onto it, but luckily... What I do is that suppose I have requirement of around 20 agents to support my customer, I would always add five more and keep them on the bench. So my customer attendance ratio, so time to attend a customer is much lower. And that's, that's the winning formula I use. Yeah, so this is all lining up. So Jake asked a question, Jake Wallace asked a question from SignEasy kind of lining it up for this. He says, hi, Punit, thanks for your time. How should SaaS companies crack the engagement with resellers? So like given the context of what you're actually doing, having a, a new SaaS company approaches you, I'm sure you get approached all the time. When do you say yes and when do you say no? And what do you think you could teach the SaaS company to make that easier, to make it work for you? As a matter of fact, today, uh, the policy remains that we use the product first we make sure that product is working well and then we allow them to you know go to our customers so that's the policy today but off late since a year i have been getting similar requests you know people uh, want to get into the market 
unfortunately you know the, if the product is not ready completely you have to be very honest to the customer that this is my limitation and this is the product limitation and this is the kind of roadmap what we are working on most of the saas companies which i kind of come across they are all funded the founders are looking at quick money yeah and looking at exit unfortunately if you go with the product in the market and if you do not have vision of sustaining in the long term it's very difficult for you to succeed in this saas market because i have seen many companies come and go the products come and go people do require those products but the company doesn't exist anymore either it is bought over or it is killed by the you know sale or whatever and and then customer is kept in the dark so that trust winning trust of the customer with the product is very important that's what i believe if someone wants to enter into the india market i would always say get into the south of india that market is very similar to north america if you succeed there the other people will slowly slowly accept you you know there's um one of my things i say all the time because i learned it the hard way was why do clients hire service companies now it doesn't matter what service company is it doesn't matter whether you are a csp you know like you are a cloud service provider it doesn't matter if you're a auto mechanic it doesn't matter if you're a, a physician it's always the same reason clients have anxiety <laughs> they're freaking out there's a risk right in a business case the reason why it has to be anxiety is they would go to staff if they could cuz they have to see the staff every day they don't need to see you and so going outside the organization is quite a lift and i found that to tr- be true and so if there's a mistake made by you know if it's the customer buying directly from the vendor the customer can handle the risk cuz it's them taking the risk but when they go to a service provider like you right their anxiety is high enough that there's no room for risk with you right you're going to get if you miss if you increase their anxiety you're going to get fired is that right and that's why Absolutely. it sounds like you're you've overinvested in the bench for instance like too many people on the phones which is good you're careful about software companies and this is universal you're not alone experiencing this. So like who's been good at this? Who's come to you and built that relationship? I mean there's the Googles and Zohos of the world which are well established companies, but has there been anyone surprise you know who's not in the huge companies approaching and surprised you with their yeah, I really like this that can trust these people. And what did they Absolutely. do? Absolutely. I also uh, represent a company in India called uh, G Control. They have a very simple SAML product. right which sits on top of google g suite right luckily they are in the market for almost a decade now and uh, initially i had uh, you know challenges with them but over the period they have evolved they are still there in the market there are still customers who are working with them and i i am happy with that so likewise you know i deal with uh, g control i deal with spanning now spanning i would say the company was sold four times Okay. Yeah. And, and even today time. luckily yeah it was sold four times and four different business model four different business owners right and today you know they are now established again i had what maybe around 2000 customers who were using spanning now i have hardly 300 to 400 customers because all these acquisitions and sale and business model change have made sure that i i move that customer to someone else because i have to face the customer yes and that's very important you know 
the customers sometimes will tell me that i don't know who your supplier is who your vendor is i know you can you give me a solution and that's where we have to stand so last year at Dreamforce, we're at the cocktail party. We had, you remember those? <laughs> we used yeah. to see each other and fly places, yeah. <laughs> conferences. Uh, that wasn't even last year. It was in 2019. I just forgot about last year. So I had cornered another M MSP or CSP at this conference. And I was asking them, <laughs> I really cornered them too. I was like, why are you not selling more technology? like more software to your customers. And he just let me have it. He said, I don't sell software. I don't care. I, I care about none of you. Because it was a room of software. I, can't, I care about none of you. None of you are interesting to me. I care about my customer and what I can do for them. I'll do whatever they need me to do. That's basically it. You know, I need the technology, some of it, to deliver the project. But I'll just, I'll replace you in a heartbeat, you know, if you give me a hard time. And it was interesting truism he was saying to me, but you've obviously stuck by with so many of these products, you know, so of the best of them, like you have, what's a good story of someone who's like really good, one of these software companies who, you mentioned Google and making the billing, but like what, what has made the trust happen for you? Like what is the legs of a, of a trusted relationship? So, sure. Over the period we have evolved, as I said, you know, so we also have over the period realized what is the purpose of this company? Why are we doing this? And that's where we developed our, purpose statement. The purpose is, the purpose of Shivami is to bring positive change in life of the people by offering them solutions and services which brings profit and happiness. So it's very crisp and clear that we want to make positive change in the life of the people we connect by offering them solutions and services. Now, these solutions and services are also tried and tested. We make sure that we deal with only the genuine founders, genuine companies who are going to be there for longer period of time in the business because customer need that solution for longer period of time, not just once or twice. And that also, you know, since I am in the India market where profitability is a, always a question, you know, so profit was there in my purpose that if there is no profit, let's not do the business. And if there is a profit, everyone is happy because then everyone is getting their salaries on time. So we made sure that our purpose is also defining the products what we offer. Now, as far as offering is concerned, definitely I would say Google stands very, very high on my radar because Google has never failed the product or the services. Yeah, my customers are always happy. The second comes GoDaddy. They also are very high on delivery. Third comes Microsoft, Zoho, so we are now very choosy. At the same time, we make sure that good companies we deal, we, we represent them in India and make sure that their products are being used by us as well as our customers. Yeah. Then I have many other products also, but luckily, you know, these four or five companies make major chunk of my business. So these other products, I'm kind of interested in that. I mean, you already have relationships with big, big four. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Most of us here are not them because there's only you know four of them, and there's 3,600 of us. So these other companies, like, are they like are they somehow like product integrations? I mean, G Control obviously is related to G Suite, and are the uh, the reason why you have other products are they related to these anchor apps in your in your portfolio, or are they some of them like totally different? What are the other products and why? Yeah, I would also give you a name of uh, Activo. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Wonderful product, wonderful team, wonderful support. I closely recommend it to my customers. Off late, we have started working with Garbage Cloud. Again, the same thing. They are very aggressive, very open, you know. So what happens, you know, sometimes we face challenges with the, the product companies which are smaller in nature because they do, do not have much of experience. So they have bits and pieces open for us to suggest them. Luckily, some people do accept our suggestions and improvise onto the product. Some people do not. Those who improvise and, and, and are committed to uh, go to market with us, we would always support them. I, I understand there are teething problems. So I would give you some understanding. It was, it took me around one and a half year to develop one product for the market. But the once it was kind of ready, you know, with the founder, I used to kind of communicate regularly, give them feedback onto the product. Once it was ready, it was hardly three to four months, we went to the market and we make sure that the product is accepted in the market. Today, that product is doing very good. So since I have many products, I do not really want to confuse myself or yourself with the names, but no. I know a few of the cases where, you know, we really had good experience and, and they did work with us and, and we, we sold a lot of products. Like if I was to summarize what you were saying in some like overarching way, I mean, there are tactical things here, but because the customers need to trust you, you need to trust the vendors, right? And it's just a very much a human relationship thing. It sounds like they're talking to you, they're responding to you, they're listening to you, they're following up and executing on their promises to you, uh, and they're making progress in the way that you like. That's basically... Yeah, it's not as always us like, it's, it's the customer who's demanding something and we need, we kind of refine and tell them that, you know, I think this is the better option or this is the better feature which we could integrate and they would accept it. Yeah, that's another actually interesting point that comes up is that a lot of vendors assume you're pushing solutions down into the customer base. Does that ever happen that you're like saying you're going to use Aptivo or Soho or is it all based on customer need and demands? Like, yeah, whenever we as a company, whenever we go to customer, we go with the options. So when I sell G Suite, I tell them that, you know, G Suite is my major business and I'm very much expertise on that. But if, if someone says, no, I am interested in Office 365, I will never say no. I'll say, okay, I will be able to give you Office 365. I do not have much expertise, but still I'll be able to support you well. Then I always give them option. Luckily that works for us. What about these more complicated business line products like CRM, for, you, that's part of your portfolio? I don't see a challenge. In fact, we, we offer Zoho as well as Aptivo as a CRM, right? And when, when do you enter that into the conversation I'm asking? I mean, it's like sometimes, so the question the vendors have is they think, some of the vendors think that you're saying, well, have you considered a CRM as before they even open their mouths thinking about talking about talking to you about sales or anything? And sometimes like, is that what's happening or are you only waiting until the customers told you these are problems and then you provide solutions? Like what's the push? No, so we definitely talk to customers regularly. And when you talk to customers regularly with their problems or you just give them a courtesy call, there is always an opportunity. You just have to ask for it. So luckily, when we converse with the customer, we tell them that, you know, I have a bucket, bouquet to offer, right? 
Now, out of the bouquet, I know your pain areas are this, this, this today. But suppose tomorrow you need some other product also, do check with us. If we do not sell that or if we do not support that, probably we'll recommend you someone. Luckily, today in the market, we have that reputation that, you know, even if someone wants to buy an iPhone, they'll check with me. Do you sell iPhone? And I would say, no, I don't. But I will suggest you someone. That's very interesting. I mean, that is what the trusted partner relationship becomes, right? You become... Because the customers don't... Like what I found is a lot of your clients probably don't want to think about tech in the way that we do, right? Because they're doing something else with their lives, right? And so they're coming to you first. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or sometimes, you know, they would want to know the opinion of ours, uh, experience of other customers. So they would still talk to us. It's so interesting. I mean, you're a $30 million a year business in India, which is, you know, if you could scale it, took to North America, you'd be like a seven-figure business just because the labor costs are different, yeah. right? You're a significant player. And I've talked to big companies like you, uh, and I've talked to small freelancers and everyone in between. And it's always the same story. <laughs> like, customers are the same, and, and the stories are the same. I've been doing this for the last you know, two years now. I've been like really focused on this problem. It's always the same. Uh, we're about to wrap up here. I guess the question is like, let's just talk about 2021. So digital transformation is happening. Everyone's like, you know, moved online. You're working with all these vendors. What are you, when you're looking at the opportunity in 2021 and the challenges ahead, what are the, what's the biggest opportunity ahead for you? And what are the challenges that you need to overcome to meet that opportunity? Opportunity, uh, especially in India, I post lockdown, everyone is talking digital and cloud, right? Recently, I read somewhere that in India itself, the cloud opportunities uh, for 2021 to 23 is around $5 billion. I feel that's a huge opportunity for us. I am looking at hiring more people onto the cloud, especially the uh, GCP practice of mine, where a lot of the architects are needed for enabling the customers onto the cloud. I'm looking at uh, ramping up my Zoho business because all of a sudden, I don't know where the demand has come from. But, you know, initially we were pushing people to buy Zoho. Now they are coming and telling us that we want to buy Zoho. I, I don't know. It is Zoho's PR which has worked well or what. But a lot of demand is coming from Zoho. So I'm looking at investing more people and team on Zoho as well. Again, as a matter of practice, I would want to get into the North American market. And that's what my plan for 2021 is. Be, uh, somewhere around April, May, I think I should start an operations in North America as well and support customers there as well. That's interesting. Reverse takeover. I, I'm not sure it's called reverse or not, but at least I should test that market. <laughs> well, we're talking about U.S. companies. Well, I guess you have some companies. You're talking about U.S. companies coming in because that's how you, the title the talk Absolutely. was. And now you're like, thanks, come up. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, you guys have, like I said, one of the sharpest operations out there because you're forced into it because the economics of your market demanded it. I've always been excited to hear year after year like, how you guys have been improving your operations because like, I don't know anyone who's had to do it in, in like the amount of pressure and challenge uh, you guys have done and done it so well. So thank you so much for, for sharing your expertise this time again, once again, put it. And, you know, for those of us, 
For those of us who are executive members who would like to chit chat a little bit longer, come over to the Hash members in, in our Slack and uh, join us on the speakers lounge just for to talk to us, put it more casually. Uh, with that, I'll say goodbye. Thank you, everyone. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.